and it was magnificent. Each and every one of you, I can see all your faces there and I can see you on stage and even the few that's sitting here behind me. It's a very small studio but we tend, I think we have about 15, 15 to 20. We even have the lady that brought the flowers on and off the stage standing outside the door there. You're so welcome. Where will we start? We'll start with um, Anne-Marie is going to introduce uh, one or two of the cast and uh, their role in this uh, historical programme that was written by um, was written by themselves the music is by themselves and most of the people who have taken part uh, are, are local. Am I right there Anne-Marie? Well actually um, so uh, firstly I'd like to introduce uh, the composer and writer Amy Day. So Can I introduce yourself Anne-Marie I'm O'Sullivan. I'm Anne-Marie O'Sullivan I'm the director of Enchanted Cree Theatre um, Amy Day and myself started to work together um, will connect. Um, was it a, a year ago or not oh, even sorry. that long? I mean, it was not the end of 2021. Yeah, and um, so I just set up my theatre company during the pandemic. And Amy had been um, before the pandemic. She had visited the National Famine Museum in Strokestown, and she was inspired by the exhibit there. And she saw um, all of the story that um, is what the focal point would be at the National Famine Museum, which is based on the assassination of the landlord of Strokestown Park House. So during um, 1847, um, during the worst of the Great Hunger, um, it was Dennis Mahan who was the first landlord to be shot. And um, when Amy went to the museum, she was inspired by first... The, the gun that she saw there and she thought this could be a song do you want to say something about that Amy that you were inspired by um, one of the, the pieces in the museum sure so um, so I'm a, a, a songwriter and a musician based in California and I was out here for the summer of 2019 um, teaching at um, at NUI Galway and um, so you know I went to the museum and I, I kind of you know like all songwriters like you sort of keep notes on your phone um, of when things, you know, sort of impact you and you think about, oh, this could be an interesting song at some point. Um, and so I just pulled out my phone when I was going through the museum and I had I'd seen the gun that it was used, allegedly used to shoot the landlord. And I thought, you know, there's such drama in this story. You know, there's so much to this and such a fascinating, um, you know, period in, in world history. And, um, and then, you know, as I thought about it more, I sort of thought, like, this isn't one song. This is so many songs. This is an entire world that... I would just love to learn about and explore. And so, um, you know, during the pandemic, when I wasn't able to perform music like I normally would, um, I turned my focus to writing this this musical. So I worked with um, worked with some historians and um, and um, and wrote the script and wrote the music. And then, as as the project was sort of getting to a point that felt shareable, um, I saw Anne Marie was making theater out of Strokestown, and um, and so we connected um, through Facebook. And, you know, just sort of started talking about collaborating on bringing this piece to life. And so now, six months later, we, we here did. We here we are. <laughs> so here we are. So, so without too much further ado, I think we'll introduce the first song, um, which is Winds of Winter. And um, I'll talk a little bit about the singers and the voices um, that you're about to hear, the, the performers afterwards. Okay. Winds of Winter. Thank you so much. The, um, listeners, you are going to be blown away. I'm telling you that. Um, when I say blown away, you know that I mean this. I remember the night. I remember 
how it clung to the stone on the ground, how it shrouded the moon. I'll remember the stars, I'll remember my breath in the air, and the shimmering pines everywhere, and the breezes that blew. Remember the days we had dreams for something better. Dreams we buried away as we turned to skin and bone. And I wonder where you are when the days start growing cold. And I'll think of you. Dream that was never to be. As you search 
I really have to stand up. <laughs> when I say I'm blown away, listeners, you know I'm not telling a lie. I'm absolutely blown away. I'm nearly in tears here. That was absolutely amazing. Each and every one of you. you just absolutely amazing. Thank you. Exactly. It's really hard to know who to pick out of the cast to, to talk about their experiences working creatively because it is really they're all so talented. I think I'll actually have to run a system where each year you have to come in one at a time. Yeah. yeah. Each week I'm telling you who you are. half hour slot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe first, it, it might be nice to, to talk to Martin Gilligan, who's an absolutely fantastic mm. actor, and he's playing two roles in this play. He's playing Dennis Mahan, The Landed, Gentry, the, the landlord, and also Hugh Connor. Do you want to come in and have a little chat about your experience as an actor, as an actor in this? Can I just say I was devastated well, when you were shot. <laughs> well, I was really devastated. I'm uh, really glad to hear you say that because I do portray Dennis Mahan and I also portray uh, one of his tenants, yes. Hugh Connor. So I think uh, one of the uh, aspects that I enjoyed in uh, performing in this production is that uh, I present different perspectives. I get to experience throughout the production different perspectives on the famine and how it affected both the tenant and the landlord. And I try to portray both in uh, as human a context and as deep a context as possible. And I think it's a credit to Amy Day's writing and to Anne-Marie's direction that it, it allows me to develop those characters. Um, I personally don't think that this tragic period in our history, the famine, has ever been addressed so well theatrically or musically before. And I think it's, it's time that it was. And 
uh, I'm very grateful and honoured to be a part of this production and to Amy Day and Anne-Marie of Enchanted Cree and all of the wonderful cast and crew that are involved, the wonderful musicians, Grania Hunt, Fiorua, and uh, Neil Fitzgibbon out there on violin. Um, and Neil and, uh, Fitzgibbon's played the violin. <laughs> he plays it oh I know he does very well <laughs> I know he does can I just interrupt you there I was talking to people when I was coming out of the theatre last night by the way um, the, the musical is on in the Roscommon Arts Centre and it's on tonight as well I was talking to people coming out and one of the things that was said was that while it was an Irish dilemma it was the Irish famine it was whatever there was an English dilemma as well uh, yes. Uh, and and that did come through. Yes. Uh, you know, the hardship of the Irish, but the English, um, the the landlord, his yes. confusion came through I too. I think, um, and again, it's a credit to Amy, Dr- Amy Day and her the research that she has done. 1847 uh, was a pivotal year, which was made worse by a decision made by the British Parliament, the new government, uh, not to renew the schemes for public works and soup kitchens. And this was disastrous. And it also, they passed the entire burden of addressing this tragedy to the local authorities and to the landlords, who already didn't have any money left. And that that came through very clearly. I mean, landlord in title, but not in wealth. Yeah, yeah. And Um, I suppose it also came through uh, while the landlord was living abroad. mm. The landlord wasn't really up to date. Uh, No. Um, a lot of the local decision-making would have been by his agent, uh, uh, Ross Mann. But I, I don't want to uh, exonerate anybody no. completely because these decisions were uh, had horrific consequences for the people who, who couldn't make any decisions. And when I portray Hugh Connor and his family, I think that's an interesting uh, perspective, the, the powerless with the powerful. But the powerful weren't as powerful as we think they were. No, the were the decisions no. in, that were being taken over in London. It was very well uh, put together and very well um, st- staged. And that was one of the uh, things that was said when I was on my way out. Um, I was talking to a couple of people that I knew there. So congratulations on that. Who are we next? Yeah, and it would be great to talk to Owen here, Owen Burke. Um, Owen some Burke people might know him as Fia Roa. Yes, Fia. He played Father McDermott, so... Um, and Lord him pa- let him tell me about Lord Palmerston as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I won't forget well, that bit. Mar- Martin was referring to the conflict uh, that the landlords might have had. There was no conflict in the likes of Palmerston. You know, they would have no. had no problem uh, hanging the priest who I play as well <laughs> from the tree, <laughs> which he said in Parliament. Um, you know, the, how we resolve this uh, assassination of landlords in Ireland is to hang every parish priest from from a tree. Like so, he had no conflict whatsoever about how to deal with it. Lucky you were playing two parts. Very conflicting <laughs> parts for sure. Yeah. Um, again, very different parts. Mm, yeah. Both um, very uh, powerful as well. And again, your voices were very powerful. All of your voices were very powerful. I'm not taking up one of you. Very powerful, and um, as I said, very different. Each part mm. was very, very different. Mm, yeah. How did you find that? Um, I kind of sometimes you're, you're, when you're in a play, you're just you're just you're learning your lines and you're doing your job, and then sometimes you have a, t- a bit of time to, to look up the historical stuff and everything, and it, you start with bringing the character alive. Like the priest that I play, um, MacDermott, arrived in Strokestown in um, 1835, I believe, 
and um, it kind of it was immediately um, aligning with the people and because the people before the famine times were hard too you know and the, the yeah. various things were happening so he was aligning with the people straight away and I, I kind of there was a kind of a thought maybe he was kind of privileged to be a priest and maybe he was safe but in many ways he was putting the, his head on the line um, because there was discussions in Parliament in England about you know getting rid of the priests, you know, because they're, they're putting thoughts into people's yes. minds and they're influencing the people. So he was definitely a brave man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he probably was considered as being educated, whereas the rest of the people... Yeah, well, that's, that, that's, uh, that, that's something I, I'm not clear on. I know that, like, the educated people would have been the ones being the priests in the free state, yeah. time, but at this time, I'm not sure it was... It, 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 there was a certain amount of privilege, but probably, as I said, like, you know, he was putting his head in the line, yeah. he was working in a soup kitchen, he was down on the ground you know, getting dirty, you know, with the people and he was aligning with the people. He was very familiar with the people. He was trying to protect the people too, you know. And had a very... And, and the different stories that were coming to the priest gave... Yeah, he had a responsibility then yeah. on his shoulders. And he knew what was going on in yeah, everybody's so powerless people were family. asking him to do something and mm. he was like, what can I do? You know, they hate me too. <laughs> and then Lord Palmerston... Yeah, the, the likes of Lord Palmerston hated him. <laughs> he hated <my> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I have the, to say, I thought that was a brilliant character. Now, it wasn't really um, beneficial to the, uh, the mm. cause in any way whatsoever, no, but you played a brilliant role in that one. Well, they existed. Um, they existed, and I think that the play highlights the, how, how naive and how, how removed they were from the situation in Ireland. They might as well have been in Africa. You know, this they just didn't know, they had they no care. idea. And I don't think was he was interested either. No, there was a, there's a natural. There was a natural. I mean, you can see how the Irish were depicted in the old comic books and everything, like as half monkeys and all the rest of it. So they were just, they didn't care. They, they weren't humans. They didn't. They didn't warrant any kind of response from the likes of Palmerston anyway. Yeah, well, you you played it very well. So you Thank did. You. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you, you you nailed it. That's the word. We have a, another two minutes. So do you want to introduce? Yeah, I'd love to introduce Mary Claire Ryan. Mary Claire Ryan. So she, you probably heard the beautiful voice there in the last song I'll, I'll let her take away um, the, the the slot now, now so she'll her one, character Claire is um, was one of the leading singers here on the start of this uh, this musical piece that we had Claire, you're wel Mary Claire you're welcome Thank you very much. I feel very, very honoured to be here. And thanks to Amy and Anne-Marie for giving me this wonderful opportunity. I play Mary Duffy in, in the play. She's actually a fictional character, but I think she had a lot of belief and strength. And she probably has, has had the hardest job to do or the hardest is... I feel very honoured, as I said, to play the character. And unfortunately... Mary had a, probably the toughest time of all in the play. I don't want to be obviously giving away too much no. for, for, people, for people that are maybe attending tonight and hopefully there will be people attending in, in the near future. But, um, yeah. Uh, it was a very tough role to play. One of the things that I was aware of was that the shawl you were wearing had all the names on it. Yes. Absolutely powerful piece. Yeah. And, and it was lovely to hear some feedback from the audience members last night some people picked up on on on, on the shawl um, and thanks to Amy's hardcore work um, spending nights numerous nights writing those names on the shawl and can I just ask you those names on the shawl were the people that went on the ship yes and the people that stayed that that, that passed that yeah. passed yeah okay that's a very 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 poignant yes very poignant was. piece and yeah. I think what when you put it up on the uh, the wooden platform at the back with uh, the black shawl and the and shoes, the shoes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to get somebody to tell me about the shoes in one minute. And just go into the ads because I have to go to the ads. I am so sorry to have to do this. I'm just blown away. I really am blown away. Um, I'll just go to the ads before I'm blown off the stage altogether. Where are the ads? There they are. I think uh, somebody should have told me. I think somebody should have told me that I was back on air. <laughs> Let me get the microphones on here because I tell you something. I'm blown away, blown, blown, blown away. It's absolutely amazing. I'm actually very privileged to be here in studio with an amazing guest, and of course. Um, Ben is with us as well, and we'll catch up with Ben later on. Okay, we're going to start with a piece of music. Um, what's this piece of music? So, it's called um, I Will Love You When You're Gone. Oh, that was and an amazing a love song. Amazing. Okay. I don't know what you could say to follow that, but I heard that in um, 
in stage setting last night with costumes and long hair. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. And and, and the costumes, the costumes were amazing. I know some of them were um, poverty uh, based, but there is a little secret to the costumes as well, I know. They were absolutely fantastic, but you did a marvellous job on that last night. Oh, my Thank God. You. Thank I'm, you. I, I'm sitting here, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to go straight to the chase. I want to know, is this coming on stage again after tonight? Well, um, Amy, Day and myself are certainly um, working hard to make that happen. So, What do you need to make that happen? Um, to go to do a nationwide tour, and hopefully we'll be able to go outside of Ireland too. But um, everything we're doing at the moment is um, towards uh, a tour, to tour this um, I, next year and, and beyond that, we hope. I, re- I really see that it has to be brought around the country. Uh, a lot of the... Um, and I think little theatres, really, because it's, it's very a very intimate programme as well. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we can go to big stages as well. I mean, there's no problem with that, but just it was... It was beautiful last night. So you're looking for funding to take this uh, uh, in the midst of plenty on tour around Ireland and further afield. Yeah. The two little ladies over there, where would you like to go with this? Uh, Absolutely. I just have to introduce them. Because, yes, I think um, you I just, have to. I just want to say your name and, and what character you're playing. So this first is... Um, my name is Molly. And, and um, I'm 13 and I play a younger Grace and I also play a famine child. Yeah, and she dances so beautifully. You should see At the her back of stage. stage. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely, I did see you. Uh, off sta- on stage, but off stage in the back. I've seen it. I've seen you on stage as well. So Absolutely brilliant. So yes. professional. And so young. Yeah. Absolutely. And, so, and then I w- I'd like to introduce our other uh, younger cast member. My name's Abby. I'm also 13, and I play an orphan famine child and also Mary Duffy's daughter. You did a brilliant job with That's that. Such a poignant scene. The scene, the way that she plays it, is absolutely incredible. Like, uh, I mean, she that made it made me cry yesterday in rehearsals. So um, it's just amazing that you know children of their age to have such sensitivity. They've done a brilliant job. Well, I have to say, I have to say, each and every one of you played an amazing role. But for the two younger uh, cast members, you did an amazing job in a very adult uh, themed. Uh, Program. That's my phone going off. Everybody's probably going yeah. mad trying to tell me how how great you are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that'll be their first performance in a, a professional theatre. Right. And uh, are you, are you trained singers? Are you trained in music? Yeah. Yeah. A well, little bit. A little bit. Started, they began their path. Anyway, well, you have you you will be back in here with me on uh, the arts program, so yes. you will on several occasions. A very bright future ahead of them, that's for and sure. I, I'd love to let um, Rory and Blana talk a little bit about their their singing parts. If we right, have we have one minute. Okay, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, 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 yeah. I could. I could cancel the whole program and give you the whole program. <laughs> <laughs> we will have to go away and rehearse. Sorry, but <laughs> I know rehearsals. You'll come back again. One. Um, who have we got here, Blanet? Yeah, um, my name is Blonnet. Um, I'm an actor from I'm County Westmeath. What part of Westmeath are you from? Um, I'm from Collinstown, Collinstown oh, yes. 4 area. Yeah, that's uh, I have relations up at 4. Uh, oh, very yeah. good. We'll chat about that, that later. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm Rory, I'm an actor from Dublin. You're from Dublin. I have relations in Dublin as well. <laughs> you, two, you, you two fall in love. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so characters we... do, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had this lovely little love story, but then um, something that we found in rehearsals was, you know, constantly have to remind yourself that it's like, well, we have this sweet romance that's going on. 
you know, it is still set against this backdrop of kind of real um, uh, pain and suffering, but yeah. that this is kind of a beacon of hope in this really dark yeah. time. Mm. And I think Amy Day creates something very beautiful between the contrast between the world of Dennis Mahon and the English landlords and then what's going on in Ireland. And there's this beautiful line that Mary Duffy says, where is the hope for them without love? And I think that that's kind of what's going on in Ireland is you see all this love, you see everything that the main character Bridget does, played wonderfully by Judy Sharkey, is all out of love for her mm. family and love for her homeland. And I think that you see these Irish peasants unfortunately being so profoundly filled with love for where they're from despite their yeah exactly despite their situation while the other world is all about money and greed and that's just so beautifully contrasted and probably they didn't realize the difference they didn't realize that they were full of greed no, I don't think they did, and no, that's, that's Martin portrays that problem. so well yeah. as Dennis yeah. Mahon, yeah. that yeah. he is yeah. he's doing it for his daughter. Like, he talks about doing all that he's doing for Grace, out of love of, for her. Actually, you make a point. All the families were doing out of love for their family. Yeah. Mm. Just, you've made that point there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it seems very out for themselves, but we all do it. Yeah. We all do, we're all motivated by love and love for our families, and like, you know... And some, some were during stress and poverty and the other was for the best for their family yeah, too greed, yeah, exactly. say. yeah. Um, Anne-Marie can I thank you for coming in thank you so much for having us we're all delighted to be here aren't we I, I just, I'm, I'm blown away by each and every one of you and I didn't get around to talking to you all um, but I will I, I won't be able to go tonight but when you're on stage again I will be back because I want to see all these characters again and just just heartbreaking, mind-blowing and uh, again Thank you, thank, oh, thank you. you so much Thank you all so much I, I, I better go on and put on the music yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten what I'm doing here listeners if you're blown away, send in a message to Ross of Venom, tell them that you really want to see uh, In the Midst of Plenty on again Wow, I don't know what to say. I'm, 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 I'm still blown away by the amazing artists that we've had in studio. Um, um, I'm going on to my next uh, guest. Um, my next guest is um, Helena Hugo. Hello, Helena. Are you there? Hi, I'm here. So how are you? Not too bad. I'm, I'm just uh, getting my breath back after the last guest that we had in the studio. It was a mind-blowing um, exercise. Now, um, tell, us a little, <laughs> yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your organisation, which is an award-winning uh, charity, Halloum Arts, and you're going to launch in uh, Roscommon in yes. November. That's right, thank you. So, Helium Arts, uh, we're the National Children's Art and Health Organisation. Um, and what we do is we work with professional artists and we run arts workshops for children living with lifelong physical health conditions. So that might be children with uh, diabetes or um, asthma, uh, arthritis, um, epilepsy, etc. And often what... what uh, what these families, uh, you know, say to us is that um, it's very hard to access uh, mainstream cultural activities. And so we provide camps and weekly workshops for these children. Um, we have artists in the room 
We have volunteers in the room to provide a bit of extra one-on-one support if needed. And we also have what's so important is a medic in the room as well so that parents and children can have a peace of mind that any medical needs will be will be uh, looked after. Um, our camps are going to be running, uh, we're going to launch in Roscommon in the community sports park um, and we'll be running, uh, we'll have an aunt, autumn camp on the 1st, 2nd and 3rd of November in the morning for children 6 to 8 year old, 8 year olds and then in the afternoon for 9 to 12 year olds. That seems like an amazing, um, an amazing gift um, to yeah. children that have uh, difficulties and yeah. what did you call that again? Lifelong. Yeah. Lifelong physical health and, conditions. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so conditions like diabetes, um, it could be, let's say, juvenile arthritis or rare diseases. And often what happens is um, these children, as you can imagine, are in and out of hospital. Um, they can miss days of school. Um, and research shows that they have less friends, less close friends. They can become very withdrawn. I can feel very different and isolated. And the idea of our workshops is that through creativity um, and the wonderful environment our artists create, that these children can relax, they can um, find their voice, they can, so importantly, make friends with other children like themselves in the room, all through the creative process. I was just thinking that myself, to be able to make friends with people who have other disabilities um, probably gives help, gives strength to the person, yeah. to, to the child, and, and maybe lifelong friends who will support each other through life, yeah. who, who have a yeah. disability. What, um, what can we do to um, enhance your, your, your coming yeah. to Roscommon? What can we do to help? Yeah, well, I suppose it's just about spreading the word because our bookings will open soon and for any families who have children with lifelong physical health conditions, I suppose I should emphasise um, that it isn't... Uh, Some of our children can have disabilities, but in particular, children living with those kind of physical health conditions, often in and out of hospital, and um, who can find that their lives have just become very medicalized. So, um, yeah, I mean, to spread the word would be great if there's any families in and around Roscommon like to take part with children aged from 6 to 12 years. Um, You can sign up by uh, emailing hello at helium.ie. So that's hello at helium.ie. Yeah. Spell that for us, please. That's okay. Hello, H-E-L-L-O, at helium, H-E-L-I-U-M dot I-E. And uh, we are also looking for volunteers. So if anybody has experience in working with children um, or, or, or and creativity, um, if they'd like to sign up, uh, they can also email volunteer at helium.ie because we are looking for volunteers. And you're looking for volunteers that would um, be creative? either uh, have an interest in creativity have an interest is important because uh, you know they're having to support the children and their creative process but I think most importantly um, a volunteer who has experience in working with children perhaps or is is, um, has has some experience and wants to grow that experience of course that would be vulnerable situations yeah that would be interesting as well and Thank you for coming on air. I'm sorry that we oh, didn't get to you at the earlier time that I planned, but uh, it was right. a, a pretty packed show here uh, earlier yes, on. Yes, you found it busy. Yes, it was no busy. Problem. I really appreciate it. Um, and maybe when you come yes. to Roscommon, um, when you're in yes. Roscommon or some other time yes. you'd like to come on the programme, you're more than welcome, so Lovely. you are. Helena, Thank Hugo, you so 
thank you very much for joining us on, on uh, the arts programme on Ross FM. No problem. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm still not... I'm still not um, still not here myself. Uh, just, just they blew me away, so they did. Can I just, in case I forget, say hello to Daddy McKiernan? Um, I uh, want to just say hello and thank you for your for your inter- interest and for your conversation and good luck with the gardening. All right, Professor Benjamin Dwyer is with us now. We we'll call you Ben. Is that all right? That's absolutely perfect. You're welcome to our program. Um, I haven't got the microphone on yet. Have I it on now? Is that the right one? Yeah. Sorry. Ben, you're, you're welcome to our program. So you are. That was an amazing program to start with, was it? Well, um, sorry. Can I introduce? Yeah. Ben is a professor of music, and um, is here. You'll explain to us what you're doing in a minute, but it's here because of your interest in uh, the goddesses as well, Revi- re, um, reviving the goddesses, finding where they are, etc. But just, um, you're here for the whole programme. Yeah, I've been here in the studio um, from the start and um, <laughs> here to see the entire cast and director and composer of the, the play in the midst of plenty and the performances were just wonderful. And it's also extraordinary for me because actually um, one of the crew here, one of the musicians, Grania Hunt, used to be a student of mine. And so I'm over. Well, I'm really delighted that, um, you know, um, this happens to me occasionally, you know. But it's so wonderful to see her doing so much, so much work. So it's, it's fantastic. That was a, an extra pleasure. But the, the, the entire experience was, was marvellous. And in many ways, the the subject matter of this play resonates with much of my work and why I'm here talking to you now, Sonna. Gronia's still outside there, uh, in, in the outside of the studio, so she's waving in, so we're waving back out to you there, Gronia. Um Ben, tell us a little bit about your work and um, your Sheila in the gig. Yeah, Ten okay. years? Well, I'm a guitarist, yes. I'm a classical guitarist and composer. Uh, and about 10 years ago, I well, I always knew about the Sheila and the Gigs, by the way, but I happened to be in Kilkenny and I went into Roth House and I saw one of the Sheila and the Gigs behind the screen there. And it was so enigmatic that that very day I decided to go search for more. And that started a long um, journey for me, which lasted 10 years. And um, I went all over Ireland, drove all over Ireland, f- tracked down these Sheila and the gigs, many of them in situ, that is like where you know where, the, where you won't find them, not in the museum, I yes. saw them as well, and I photographed them and sketched them and researched them, and eventually, after many, many years, I ended up having, um, composing an hour-long piece, major piece for me, um, called Sacrum Profanum. Sacrum Profanum. When you explain what Sacrum Profanum means? Well, maybe I need to um, tell your listeners that um, what a shield in the gig is, because many may not know what a shield in the gig okay. is. A shield in the gig is an ancient stone carving of a female figure that has an enlarged vulva, which she displays quite blatantly. Yes. She also has... Um, emaciated ribs, um, generally the breasts are, are 
are um, deflated. So it's a, a, a she's considered quite often to be an abject figure, you know. Um, and according to my own research, she she she's been in Ireland for over a thousand years. Um, for me, I think she's um, she goes as far back as well into the pagan era. And did we say that she represents the seasons? She represents... Well, you see, you know, yeah, even, even some of the late literature on her from the 70s um, called her um, uh, uh, an icon of lust and that, you know, the, that the church wanted to get rid of her because she was an icon. Actually, it's, it's much deeper than that. The, the whole notion that she has this expanded vulva and this, this notion of exaggerated sexuality, it's the whole birth, you know, notion. But also she has these elements of decay. It means that actually she's basically what I call, um, after um, a philosopher called Bakhtin, a biocosmic icon, because she has all the four seasons um, embodied in her um, iconography. She's got the, 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 the birth of spring, the richness, the fecundity of summer, and then the decay of winter and the death of... Uh, sorry, the decay of um, autumn <laughs> and the, 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 the death of winter. And so she embodies all of these um, aspects. So she's basically an icon of death regeneration, death regeneration, death regeneration. And that's because she's female as well. Well, of the earth, you yeah. know, and, um, you know, uh, some people mistake her for that it's a work of art that is just ab um, abject and ugly and so forth. That's not the case. The case is that the, these, um, I mean, and there's 140 of them extant in Ireland, um, about 20 in museums. Um, these, these shilas were carved by non-experts. They, they don't come, they're not part of the corbel tradition in continental church stonemasonry. They were carved by local artisans or stonemasons of varying um, abilities. The main thing to remember is that they were not carved for aesthetic purposes. They were carved for ritualistic purposes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get Yeah. It's not the picture on the wall. It's the theme. It's the yeah. the reason behind. They must have served a deep function in early Gaelic societies that likely, before Christianity arrived, had a stronger matriarchal balance within them. And that's going back again to, for you, finding the, the female uh, females in our society that have been... Extinct. Well, are being written or made out. extinct. Yeah, I think this is extinct. the thing. I think uh, the shield game is part of a broader um, uh, pantheon of female mythological figures um, that have been suppressed, generally by patriarchal societies or the patriarchal ecclesi ecclesiastical institutions. Um, so, in, I'm also interested in the Airy project. That's Ralph um, Keynes. Uh, a colleague of mine, actually, uh, Professor Ralph Kenna. Um, and we're very keen on revitalising um, awareness of uh, the richness of our female uh, mythological icons, which 
many of whom have been erased on various levels from the general national consciousness. AERI stands for enlivening, I think, or enriching Ireland's resilient female icons. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so my Sheila Negate work um, just resonates a lot with Ralph Kenna's work and, of course, a broader community who are involved in the AERI project. Just to raise awareness, you know, that um, this land was um, once um, en en enriched with female deities, which have nearly all, all been erased. Um, a lot erased by the emergence of Christianity and later reformist Christianity, who even got rid of Mary, you know. And um, I think generally the whole Cartesian, the whole scientific world that we've become, where man becomes the centre of the universe, you know. And actually, no, we're, we're not the centre of the universe. We're part of a unified universe, but we seem to have lost that. We've lost our connection with the, with the matriarch, with the feminine. And I think, again, we were chatting earlier on, in the 1916 Rising, the same thing, women were well, blocked out. Major figures were actually quite literally, literally. brushed out of famous photographs. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's still an ongoing battle that women have the control of their bodies. You know, the, you know, it's it's a big story. Um, I mean, the history of the control of women in Ireland is is, is a dark and disgraceful one. Now, there's just um, the reason. One of the reasons I invited you in here. You're on the move to London. Yes. Now you're not moving, are you? No, no. Well, I lived in in the UK for the last um, ten years. I'm just home, in fact. But I'm okay. returning to uh, London to the Irish uh, Cultural Centre in Hammersmith for the London premiere of my work about the Sheila Negates called Sarkum Profanum. So I'm looking forward to that. And your work is musical. It's 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 pure music. Okay. It's four live musicians and tape and um, includes, our, it's the first time I've used Irish instruments, like the medieval Irish harp performed by Siobhan Armstrong, and um, actually the Ilan pipe parts, which are recorded on the tape part, were performed by my cousin, uh, Donica Dwyer. Um, he's a brother of the Irish writer Christine Dwyer Hickey. Yes. Okay. So um, he, he appears um, in absentia, but we hear him on the tape part. And we also have wonderful playing from Emma, Emma Coulthard, flautist and tin whistle, and our viola player is the is the world renowned Garth Knox. So it's it's going to be um, it's a very it's a very strong. Uh, on what, what date uh, are you going it's to? It's on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, tenth of September, there uh, in Hammersmith, the Irish uh, Cultural Centre in Hammersmith. So anybody listening in from London who is interested in this uh, subject, please go along. And will you be? Um Coming on stage in Ireland at any time? Well, I'm hoping to have an Irish premier. Are you looking for funding as well? Well, it's always <laughs> about uh, finance and, yeah. you know... I mean, this piece was premiered last year in Cardiff, in fact. It gets its London uh, premiere. And it's strange that it's all about Ireland. And we, I'm, I'm still awaiting an Irish premiere. But I'm hopeful it'll happen, so... Yeah, yeah. So you're on the lookout for a venue as well and backing Absolutely. funding. You know how it is. This is the... the the, 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 the art business this is the is art business <laughs> and um, if people want to follow your your um, yourself are you on yeah well I'm on most social media uh, my website is my name 
www.benjamindwire.com and from there people can find out more. Find out more. And you're uh, also working alongside uh, Professor Ralph Kena about um, finding the goddesses, revisiting the well, Irish. I'm trying to raise awareness, awareness around Ireland's female deities. Female deities. Professor Benjamin uh, Dwyer, thank you very much for joining us.